In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, Eric Kuhn, Associate Design Practice and Market Retail Market Leader at Bergmeier. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bobby, for having me. Absolutely. I know uh, time is valuable again, and, and so appreciate you uh, taking some time to, to share some knowledge with our listeners. Uh, happy to do so. Absolutely. Before we get started, Eric, if you don't mind kind of talking a little bit about yourself, uh, telling us uh, about you and uh, Bergmeier and... Uh, you know, what, what you do there and uh, what types of clients you interact with? Sure. I am a design practice leader, as you had said. That just simply means that I work with a really talented group of people to realize uh, projects that come to us from all facets of design, whether it's retail, restaurants, hospitality, workplace, academic. We self-describe ourselves as a design collaborative, which uh, is indicative of a kind of work style that we have. Uh, that's our internal work style as well as the way we work with our clients and being able to collaboratively bring interesting ideas around a table uh, to reality. And we've been around for the better part of 40 years based in Boston. We also have a, an LA office and we work around the globe. That's awesome. What types of clients uh, do you work with, uh, Eric? As far as I know, you give me like segments, but maybe if you if you can name a few of the ones that you work with that you're most excited about, that would that would be great. We work with a very wide range. In our retail segment, we could work with anywhere from a Montclair to a Circle K and a lots of different brands in between. There's some very interesting niche markets that we work in with adult beverages, whether it's uh, uh, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail or Sam Adams is uh, a client that we've had for a number of years and done some really very neat projects. Uh, locally, we, we've completed a project with uh, Boston Garden and uh, creating uh, a really amazing experience uh, for the pro shop uh, there. It, it's interesting because the store opened and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so not many people you know, have been able to experience and enjoy that, but uh, that will come to an end at, at some point and uh, people will be able to get out and see some of these amazing things that we've been able to create. Has anything changed in your design practice when COVID hit and during COVID? Or, or do you feel like, or are you designing things kind of post-COVID or has COVID kind of changed how you design in general? So if you're talking about our design process, it is interesting. And you may be talking about the actual things that we're designing, but just on our process, it, it is interesting because organizationally, we're not in the office. There's the ability to go into the office, but the, you know, the majority of the people at Bergmeier still work from home and remotely. And fortunately, we've had this incredible IT protocol put in place a, a while back that has allowed us to be pretty fluid, but it's pushed us to do uh, the creative process in, a, in a, a remote way, which if you were to think about it a year or so ago and say, this is how you're going to design, 
you know, you'd scratch your head and say, no, it'll never work. But that's what you do. You find a will in the way to actually get overcome, you know, these hurdles. And I'm very proud of the stuff that we've done over this period of time when we're remote, whether it's using platforms like Hoilu, which you can create whiteboards and you can very, very in real time interact with things you can sketch, you can post. And so from a, from a creative standpoint, uh, creative process standpoint, it's been very interesting, but we've been able to, uh, to manage quite successfully. When it comes to the actual des- design solutions, it's a different, I would answer that differently for individual clients. Some, I think, you know, we're very cognizant of just what the overall customer journey is for, for uh, certain clients and how we think about what the perceived impact of the pandemic is going to be on the long-term psyche of customers versus the, you know, the, the hard and fast physical things that we need to do. You know, there's lots of things that we've been exploring like UV lighting and antimicrobial uh, materials that we would perhaps consider now that we hadn't considered in the past. Those are very real design shifts that clients are asking us to consider they certainly have cost implications, but again, I mean, it's it's uh, it is something that that uh, in certain situations we're looking at. But beyond that, you know, there is the physical space. You know, that could be relaying laying out stores to accommodate wider aisles. It certainly has an impact on bottom line because you're not going to get as much inventory on the floor if if you really take it to that level where you pull fixtures out. You know, I think that that is something that is more likely a short-term situation that we're going to have to contend with. I think there's a likelihood that things from a fixturing layout standpoint that would return to a a different sort of normalcy uh, going forward. But then, you know, I went to the Apple store that's not far from me and they've turned it into an express, which just simply means you have desks that you can't shop the store but you can go up. You have to be very clear about what product that you want. They'll bring it to you. You purchase and you leave. You know, we certainly as store designers don't sort of cherish that because we like creating that sense of discovery, that sense of that exploration. And if something is going to be that prescribed, it takes a little bit of the wonder away. But again, I think that's more a a short-term solution to the situation that we're in right now. And, um, Within time, I think we'll be able to return to hopefully creating those those sort of journeys that aren't prescribed with arrows on the floor. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, I think as uh, kind of people maybe get vaccinated and, and feel more comfortable getting back in the groove of things, I think we're we're going to see a level of normalcy. Maybe it's a little bit different still, but um, yeah, going back to to how things were to a, to a high level. As you've been, uh, you know, kind of working with clients and just thinking about both the design and just kind of how you you lay things out for, for for different clients, are there best practices that kind of apply to every sort of retail experience that you that you typically like to uh, you know talk about, think about, and, and be able to express to your clients? This may be a recurring theme for our whole conversation, but I think what we have to do is start thinking about these alternative product delivery solutions. And these are things that existed before the pandemic, but you know, as many people have noted, the pandemic has accelerated adaption because it's a necessity of getting products to people in, in the way that they want, either because it's more convenient or they feel that it's that it's safer. So that would be curbside pickup, pickup lockers, things of that nature. 
that is a real thing that we're going to have to start integrating into our store design solutions for clients. That omni-channel sensibility, omni-channel, it's interesting because omni-channel was such the buzzword, you know, a number of years ago, and then it sort of went away. It was all about experiential design. But now omni-channel has come back roaring and, and for very real reasons. The fact that customers have, over the course of this period of, of 10 months or so, have been able to more readily buy online and have things relatively quickly shipped to their house, or they can drive up to a location and someone brings it out to you, or if there's lockers, that genie has left the bottle and, and it's not going back in. And the expectation is they're going to want those options. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're not going to be willing to come back into the store and to shop and, and be social and, and enjoy the, the, the process of shopping, but they're going to want to be able to, at any given time, make a decision about the, the kind of way that they want to, to transact. Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. And I agree with that. Absolutely. What do you think as far as, you know, there, there was a report that Bergmeier recently published, The Future of Shopping. And in it, you know, the, there was notes on how crowds were really a deterrent to shoppers, both pre and post COVID. With that in mind, uh, what can brick and mortar retailers do in your mind from a design perspective to better manage crowds? I would say, again, it's related to what I was just describing. I think if you actually tease out these different journeys that customers potentially would be going through, certain people may not be entering the store. They'll, they'll, they'll go through the threshold. They'll go up to an area where they can pick up products that they've ordered and they can leave, which means that the, the volume of people that are actually going into the store and, and browsing and discovering, if you will, may likely forever be altered because they're choosing different ways and different paths. I think that's one thing. The other would be you know, sort of the scenario I described with Apple. These alternative formats could very well be something that surfaces here where things turn into more express shopping. Again, I, I don't think we're going to see wholesale changes in that regard, but I think certain brands may feel that that alternate approach to a store layout is something that they probably want to maybe introduce in, in the portfolio of, of locations that they have. So again, if you think about a full-blown experience versus an express experience, that, that would change the way a customer who perhaps has any anxieties about being in crowds would choose perhaps to go that route to an express location as opposed to uh, a full-blown conventional retail experience, if you will. Do you have any kind of uh, lessons that you've kind of learned over the years as far as the best in-store experiences you've seen during the pandemic, right, that people have kind of, uh, you know, put together that you feel are pretty good design, you know, experiences that, that will probably take a little bit of, uh, of notice kind of coming out of, out, of, out of the pandemic? It's interesting because I, I think one of the most interesting store designs that I've seen recently has come out of Walmart. And their uh, new store concept, I think, is again for that for that type of journey, right? I mean, that's if you think about a, a customer going to Walmart, it's about fulfillment, right? It's it's really about checking things off their list. And I think what their new design has really managed to do is is make that journey and that visit as efficient as it possibly can. So they do the things that I was mentioning. You know, they have curbside, they have their big towers where you can go and plug in your code and your products will come up through this tower. It's this amazing stuff. But it's also, you know, the technology that they put in your hand where you could, it guides you through the store in a very real time sort of way. 
again, this isn't about the actual design. It's it's about the sensibility of trying to empower the shopper and make that journey the most efficient as possible. You know, I would think about a project that that we did at Bergmeier um, for a, a cannabis brand in uh, Canada called Superette. It was a great experience in working with that brand because number one, what we're trying to do is also understand the different types of customers who are coming into a, a store in a, in a concept like that, where there's people who are very familiar with the product, where there's people who are unfamiliar with the product, and trying to create an intuitive design that allows the customer who knows exactly what they want to be able to get in and get out and still feel like it's a great experience. And then in the same way, have a very intuitive path for a customer who is learning and trying to discover what sort of products they they want, whether it's flour or edibles or everything in between and, and all the peripherals that go along with that. But that sense of discovery is very clearly identified or intuitively identified for the customer when they walk in the front door. There's lots of different tactics that we've employed with the Superette that uh, I think get to that idea of sort of giving the people what they want, if you will. Again, that category is is one in particular that, you know, you have the, a very big arc of people who have knowledge about the product <laughs> and people who are discovering the product and being able to create a, these journeys that allow those different types of customers customers to be satisfied is is really one of the primary drivers in that in that project. Exactly. Exactly. It's actually interesting that you bring up Walmart because you're right. I mean, all the way from if I want to get in and out, you know, having technology there to be able to allow me to do that to I want to actually go through they have this this big uh you know kind of wayfinding digital signage signs that they they're putting in a very air, airport stylish to be able to guide people throughout the store. So if I want to get to a certain section quickly I can get there. And then for people that really are inquisitive, want to learn more, they have these new kiosk environments that are built into different areas of the store. So it's actually very interesting. You're hitting all different types of customers, depending on how they want to interact with you and shop and almost creating that omni-channel experience in-store. That's right? it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So so I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be the future. I think COVID is definitely, I, I think that was where we were going to go anyways, you know, down the line. But I think COVID has accelerated that for sure. And given people the ability to be able to again interact with uh, you know brands like Walmart, how they how they see fit. The question is is asked often: What has specifically COVID created versus things that pre-existed behaviors or opportunities that pre-existed that that have et cetera? And I think it's more the case of things that were available to customers are now almost necessities to customers. And and I think that's the thing that's forever changed as opposed to us feeling like, by example, we've all seen the acrylic screens go up for the all transaction areas. That's not going to be the permanent solution. Once we get through this and we feel that, you know, transmission is is not no longer an issue, I can rest assured those screens will come down because people inherently do not like that. And if it's not a necessity, I think it's something that would come down. The thing to remember, though, is to always remember what has transpired and to be prepared. And I think it is the idea of, God help us, if we have another pandemic, you know, being more prepared for implementing those sorts of things. We have the experience now. We know how to quickly get that enacted. And uh, people will be uh, certainly aware of what to expect 
should that situation come come up again. But there will be a return return to normalcy, I believe. And the data in our study that we did uh, suggests that that people are anxious to not have to walk around with masks, are anxious to be able to transact at the supermarket without a screen of acrylic in front of them. And they they want to return to being able to go into a store and, and browse and not have to follow arrows on the floor. All the indicators are that people want to return to that, which is encouraging. As, as you've been, Eric, as you've been thinking about, you know, different technologies that are being adopted in these locations, what are some technologies that you uh, saw being adopted at a faster pace than you initially expected? I do think that just straight up mobile app, mobile purchase is, you know, just something that was... Again, it was a nice to have for a lot of retailers and for a lot of uh, customers. It was something that they might have just dabbled with. But the adoption rate of people using mobile apps uh, for purchase is just, I mean, the statistics are staggering. And I think that that is something that is, again, more accelerated by as opposed to created by the, the, the pandemic. But then we're going to see more will call at stores. I think having areas dedicated and devoted to that are going to be something that we're going to see from here on out. And I think that that's a good thing. Again, it gets back to what I was saying. Give the people what they want. Customers like to shop in different ways. You know, it's just the simplest thing too. Like the idea of putting a will call area towards the front of the store because that person, they've made a decision to purchase something and quickly get it. They don't want to have to go all the way into the store to do it. So it's just, you know, little nuances like that, that I think that um, you just have to be very smart in the way that you implement some of these strategies. What does the future look like, Erica, as far as, you know, technologies that we uh, we built in and we designed into stores? Do you think there's, uh, you know, changes that we're going to see there and technological advancements that we're going to see in the store, store of the future, if you will, particularly maybe in the retail sector? Yeah, I think that, you know, just some of the things that Walmart is introducing with their new concept, I think putting the power in the customer's hand, we're just going to see more and more of mobile adaptation bringing that, that shopping experience to the next level by using your mobile device, I think is, is just something that we're going to see continuing to, to be built on for a couple of reasons. I think, it, first of all, we're just using our phones a lot more. And um, again, the pandemic has pushed us to, to do that, but we're also seeing what the benefits are and the power that we brands have by pushing really interesting and more useful more helpful content, content that, that can empower your, your in-store experience, can make it more efficient. It can make it more interesting. I think that's where we're going to see a lot of technological changes. And I think that's what the store is going to talk to you more too. So to your point, Bobby, where you know, you're going to have likely more digital interfaces that are going to allow you to, to have a dialogue with the, with the brand in a, sort of, in a way that, that you control because of the relationship your phone will have to some of these interfaces in store. I, I think that we're going to see a lot more of that. And it really is interesting because brands like Burberry have done this for quite a long time. You know, their, their big flagship store from, I don't know, like seven years ago had all this great stuff that you could actually scan tags. And it tells you this great story, this great backstory about the provenance of any particular project. I just don't think either the phone technology was quite there or customers were that attuned 
to being able to interact in an environment like that. But that's changed. And I think that this past 10, 11 months has really pushed us to think in a different way. Eric, that was a wealth of information. Is there anything that I uh, you know, forgot to, to ask you that you think our listeners should know about? This will come to an end. The pandemic will come to an end. We have to be very aware of any situation like this happening again and be prepared for that. But I think what we need to, to do is see the, the bright, shiny light on the, on the end of the horizon here. I do look at things in a very positive way that, and again, all the data and the research that we've uh, done ourselves is pointing to our customers wanting to return to normal, maybe with a, a different degree of awareness of certain things. But I think that, you know, people definitely, they love shopping. People love shopping. People love going out to restaurants. And there's a desire to get back to that. And I think that we will get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Eric, thanks again for your time today. Before I let you go, what are what are some fun areas in Boston as we get, you know, as travel opens back up and people start visiting? What are some places you recommend? Bergmeier is in the uh, seaport area, which is, a, I mean, it's just an exploding part of the city. It's probably the fastest growing part of the city. And uh, so selfishly, our neighborhood, I think, is one of the most dynamic places to to uh, get to if you're in the Boston area. But then there's the tried and true. The a shop along Newbury Street is is amazing. And from a retail standpoint, we have uh, Copley Place and the Prudential Center. There's lots of great shopping and great restaurants in this in this town. And yeah, I mean, there's there's a vibrancy in Boston that uh, really uh, the seaport is such a great example of uh, how progressive uh, Boston is. That's awesome. Well, thanks again, Eric, for joining us today. And I know our listeners are going to love this. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you, Bobby. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com. 